What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. another episode of the king's pulse podcast my name is brendan nunez got rich ivanowski on here as we usually do how are you doing rich i'm doing good man a little tired today been tired all week got class early in the morning but uh i'm getting through it how are you doing uh i'm doing all right you know it's yeah like you're saying there's a lot of class going on and you know the sacramento kings are playing a lot better the games are entertaining and not just terrible to watch at all um but i want to start at the top of this one before we get into the games that we haven't really talked about recently since our most recent episodes were either a trade deadline or the latest one was draft uh sort of preview with bryant west but today there was an injury update that came out from the kings on rashawn holmes uh saying that he had a labral tear uh, that it's going to be two to three weeks until he is reevaluated. And the reason this is um, questionable and concerning is, you know, he's already missed 15 games. It was originally um, listed as shoulder soreness, and he was even day-to-day, and they thought he would be back at any point, and now it comes out that it's two to three weeks later for him. And this is the same sort of thing that happened with Bagley. It was left foot soreness, and then it comes out later um, after he, when they reached that reevaluation sort of timeline that he had actually re-aggravated a midfoot sprain, and now he's going to be potentially out for the year. So there's a little bit of a trend here that you don't like to see with these injury reports coming out of Sacramento. Yeah, for sure. And one thing... Uh... Uh, I was having some technical difficulties on the last podcast, but I was trying to jump in at one point because that was the news about Bagley saying that it's too soon to know if he's coming back at all this season. So, which is a crazy thing like that. I mean, that, that really came out of nowhere. And again, it's kind of blindsiding when the team has given zero indication of that as a possibility. Yeah, the quote directly from Bagley was when he asked about potentially being out for the year, he said, I'm definitely going to try to come back this year, but that's too far ahead at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, that leaves it open that there's a chance he does not come back at all this season after 13 games. I mean, we've said that he's been, he's a project, he's a raw prospect. You know, we've, I've said that it's going to take like three years, I feel like, for him to really reach a point where he's going to be a nice positive uh, contributor on the floor. And this is just obviously a big setback to that. Um, Yeah, I I don't really know what else to say about it. It's concerning to see this happen to Holmes as well. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like you can necessarily 
blame the medical staff. That's not what I'm trying to do, really. Um, it's good to be safe with this, but it does seem like there's sort of a lack of transparency here potentially, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just not a good look. Um, even if the medical staff's doing everything perfectly right, it's still, it's you know, this is kind of like, you could draw an analogy to this uh, in the firing of Dave Yeager, where it's like, well, maybe Yeager wasn't doing a great job or a perfect job, and maybe Walden is an improvement in some ways. But if you look at the win total and it's dropping, that's a really, really, really tough look after a change. And same thing goes here. When you have a, uh, you, you know, you have a, a medical record that's been pretty incredible and pristine over quite a long time, and then you change your uh, you change your staff and then suddenly a bunch of injuries pop up. It's just a really, really tough look. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, not much else to say on that, but you can expect uh, Bagley, like we said, potentially out the entire year and three weeks for Rashawn Holmes would make it about eight games because there is this all-star break. Sacramento has one more game uh, in Dallas before the all-star break. So it's nice for him to get that little bit of a break here. But um, recently, like I said, the team has been playing, playing well. They lost six in a row, and then since then have won, what is it, one, two, I believe six of the last nine. And, you know, I mean, they're not necessarily against, you know, no, they did play good opponents. They got lucky against, you know, say Miami, that there was no Jimmy Butler. Um, they played the Clippers. I believe it was without Kawhi Leonard. Um, just played the Milwaukee without Giannis and kept that one close, but yeah. Can I just point out how many times you're leaving out the best player on the team? Like I know you're saying they're good teams and they are good teams, but and, and you know, and these are obviously with reasonable excuses. Giannis didn't play in the most recent game because he had you know just had a, a child born. But it's just funny when you're like, okay, well, they played some good teams, like the Heat without Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler and the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and uh, the Bucks without Giannis. It just goes on and on and on. Right. Yeah. Fair point. But, you know, you only can play what's on your schedule. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the wins, when two of them are against Minnesota, Chicago, uh, like you mentioned, Miami without Jimmy and Tyler Hero, a San Antonio team that's been struggling. Um, you know, you're not the most optimistic about this, and especially with, you know, the way the season already has been going. Uh, but it's an improvement over dropping six in a row, including getting destroyed by a Detroit team that had no Drummond or no Blake Griffin. You know, either way, like, it's nice to see some competent basketball on the floor. Um, and, I mean, what do you feel like has been the difference between, you know, this and the six-game losing streak? Yeah, I mean, so obviously the first thing that we should probably point out is the change from uh, Buddy to Bogey in the starting lineup. Would you say it's like maybe the easiest factor to start with? Yeah, and actually that um, was on the 24th. The first win that they got was on that uh, change. So yeah, that is kind of the mark for this. So this was something that... Uh, I threw out there as an idea. It wasn't my idea and many people have shared it. It wasn't like some original thing or, you know, original concept, but um, what, 
were your thoughts on it? As I, I know you were a little resistant to the idea before it happened. Yeah, uh, mainly because I felt like Buddy would kind of be running the second unit in a way. But, um, I mean, obviously it seems to be working well, but I still kind of struggle to pinpoint what the real differences that are happening here because you know there's with with a lot of injuries it's not like there's a lot of depth to this lineup um and I think you kind of said this I mean he's buddy still is finding himself playing with a lot of the starters obviously so I think the ball moves a little bit better in that starting unit and it's almost like the focus of that starting group can go fully to Fox and then the full the focus of when Buddy's in there and Fox isn't, it can go fully revolving around Buddy. So that's kind of the main difference. But even then, it feels a little slight. So, it, I mean, Buddy's playing a few less minutes. He's not out there at the tip, but it still feels pretty close to the same, no? To me, the main difference is that Buddy's not being asked to do as much on defense because that's kind of – if you start the game and you have him guarding Devin Booker – that is a difference. I, I think he's going to get, especially with the the amount of pressure being put on him to defend. Uh, you know, I mean, and we've mentioned before, but like he's started on Trey Young in a in a game this season, um, which is very confusing. But when you're kind of being split in your duties, when you're when you're when you are kind of a one. A one-dimensional is a little bit overboard, but but a, a, a not a super multi-dimensional player like Buddy, and you are really, really, really good at one thing, which is scoring. I think there is an advantage to being like, listen, we're not going to start you against uh, you know the one of the league's best scorers and ask you to shut him down. We're going to bring you off the bench. You're going to be facing a guy that's either also a bench player or is a starter. That's kind of you know a little winded from the first seven minutes or what have you, uh, you know, that lets him kind of focus on, on just scoring. Yeah. I, I think that's actually a, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of as much and you know, the shooting has come back around for buddy it, since he's been benched. He's 51% from three. Um, but even before that, the last 20 games of buddy Hill is 43% from three. And both of these are right around 10 attempts a game. Like, his shooting has definitely uh, come back to what we sort of expected to see from Buddy, and I think that's been very helpful for the Sacramento team, obviously. Incredible. Um, he's been an incredible shooter since coming off the bench, and uh, some of the guys around him have been shooting really well too. I just So over that same time span, yeah, 51% from Buddy, 51% from Bielitsa as well, 41% from Corey Joseph on a smaller but not insignificant uh, three-point volume there and then Barnes up to 42 and a half percent from three as well are you currently paying off student debt interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape well on the talk money with Mesh Lakani podcast Mesh will follow paper trails chat with experts and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. 
Yeah, it's funny. I have all those numbers right in front of me here as well. And this was like the main difference that I could find um, in what was going different for the Sacramento team. Like it, it really just feels like they're hitting their shots and that opens up so much more of the game. But, you know, I tried to dig through all of it. Like they're, they're assisting a bit more on their looks. There's more catch and shoot opportunities, but marginally um, the usage rate of most of these guys is staying about the same. Fox is getting to the free throw line a little bit more, um, but the main difference I could find, yeah, like you said, this three point shooting. And I, I also compared them to their uh, averages this year during that stretch. This is 12% higher than buddy's current uh, average on the year. Like, these guys are shooting ridiculously. And Bogdanovich's field goal percentage, not, not three-point percentage, but his field goal percentage during that time has gone up a bit as well. Um, but the defense felt like it's about the same. So to me, like hitting your three-point shots was the main thing that I could identify here. And, you know, out of these wins, three times they broke 120 out of these nine games, and they've only done that six other times in the 44 other games this year. Yeah, interesting you pointed out the Fox uh, free throw stat because that's another thing that I had down here. It is a pretty big uptick um, from six free throws a game before this nine-game stretch to uh, 8.3, but the free throw percentage has not been good in either stretch. I was wondering if you are concerned about that. Uh, I definitely am because I think that Obviously, I mean, Fox is getting there ridiculously easily. Um, and at times, I feel like he doesn't even get enough respect uh, on whistles from officials. I think it'll come with time. But, you know, I hope he doesn't get to a point where he starts to get discouraged because he's not knocking these down. Um, but, yeah, 65% during that stretch is definitely very concerning. And, I mean, on the year, it's not much better, 67%. So, this was yeah. an area we wanted to see improvement, and it just hasn't really happened this year. Yeah, only 69% before the stretch. Nice. So, definitely, definitely been a real – I mean, like, I don't think you can count the number of point guards in the modern era that have been effective shooting, you know, in the 60s uh, from the free throw line. That, it's, like, a really low number. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of right now is like Ben Simmons, and he's obviously an outlier with the ridiculous size he has. Yeah, yeah, he's totally like not really a point guard, or not at least not a traditional point guard. I think of for some reason I think of Jason Kidd, but it wasn't that bad. It, he had years of that, I guess, uh, and I also those years were not maybe the modern era, but his first five seasons. I'm just looking this up right now. First five seasons, 69% from the free throw line. Uh, and then, he, you know, he figured it out a little bit, but uh, 78% career free throw shooter. And obviously, you know, like 10-time All-Star, so 11-time. So uh, he figured it out. Yeah, it's definitely possible for Fox. And obviously his shot, uh, you hope, comes along as well after – what, like 37% from three last year, uh, pulling it up. And that just hasn't quite been there this year. 31% from three this year. I think, um, who was it that, uh, it might've been Trey Young that, I mean, he's only year two, but said he needed to get a little bit more strength on him in order to knock down some of these deeper threes. And a lot of Fox's threes seem like he doesn't quite have the, the strength with the amount of energy that he's, 
uh, taking out and using with his insane pace and taking it down the floor. So I think getting a little bit stronger for him uh, is definitely going to help him in that aspect. And I was looking into it today because um, I felt like he always shot better off the dribble than catch and shoot. Um, and that actually wasn't as much of the case as I thought it would be from range. It was pretty much about even here. Um, but one other thing, one thing I wanted to ask you is, could this offense be better just because Bagley's not there? Dude, I thought this was an extremely hot take, but I was going to drop this on you. Um, yeah, I was going to drop this. We're definitely on the same page on all this stuff right now. Because I was going to say, and I, I'm, I'm writing something about this, that the Kings would not be winning as much if Bagley were in these games. And it's, it is extremely tough to say that. It is, extremely, it is, is really hard to say that, and people are going to hate hearing that. But you see the ball, ball movement, you see the unselfish play, you see the shooting, and you're like, you know who wouldn't fit in this system is Marvin Bagley. Yeah, I mean, he's missed a lot of games, obviously, but he had a little stretch of being back during that six-game losing streak and has been out since one game before, since that Detroit game where Sacramento did get destroyed in absolutely embarrassing fashion. But, yeah, I mean, he's been out for this nice run. Um, And even just, like, the on-off numbers for Bagley this year are terrible. Um, It's, yeah, they they do not play any – better in any really way with him on the floor like and if you're look, talking about shooting which is kind of what I the only thing I could identify as the difference in this the team shoots upwards of four percent better from three with Bagley off the floor compared to on um, like you said I mean he wouldn't really fit in this but I mean if he was healthy you still would prefer him to be healthy because it's a long-term thing for him like we've said right exactly well that's the that's the thing. It, it, it's not a take that they would be better off if he just like retired or left the team. It's that it's that they are going to probably have to get worse to develop him in the meantime in order to get better with him. So, yeah, I mean, I and I don't think that's actually like a terrible idea. If he was healthy, I would play him a lot and try to develop him and try to get him in the system during this year because I do not think the playoffs are possible anymore. So might as well try to develop him and get him into the system. But uh, yeah, it's really not good. And you have said a couple times now that you see Bagley as like a three-year project. I think that's, uh, that's probably pretty generous at this point. Yeah, I mean, especially if he's not going to be out there getting reps in, you know, like at this point it's like, okay, What time does he need to recover from the injury, let alone progress his game? Well, exactly. It's like a three-year worth of games. Like when he plays, you know, 240 games, you know, even 200 games, then that's the type of project we're talking about. You know, meanwhile, he's played 80, you know. Yeah, I mean, Yogi Ferrell has played more total minutes this year than Bagley has. You know, like, like really, it's not... Yeah, I don't know how you plan to make progress that way. Yeah, and this is going to shout out Tim Maxwell for this tweet uh, compiling this information. But I believe, uh, I'm doing this off off my head, but I believe there's only been four or five other rookies, uh, top five picks in the last 15 years that have missed 
um, as much time, or excuse me, it, uh, let me let me find let me find the tweet real quick. But it, it's it's about uh, players that have missed at least eighty two games in their first two seasons, and it's like you know Greg Oden, Markel Fultz. You know, it's if you want to take some guesses at it, while I look <laughs> it up. Yeah, I don't know uh, who else falls under there. Um, who is uh, the guy that got picked ahead of KD? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's not a list that, of names that you want to see Marvin Bagley right next to. No, definitely. Um, definitely is a bad sign. Yeah, and I mean, everyone else in that draft class is like coming into their own. Obviously, we know Luca and Trey, um, but Jaron Jackson Jr. this year has been great. DeAndre Ayton is having a really good defensive month for himself. Looks like he's making progress on that end. Um, and has always been fairly efficient on offense. So it's definitely uh, hard to not feel a little bit frustrated with this. And again, yeah. I mean, the lack of transparency hurts with this too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here, I got the uh, I got the number here. It is, or it's Adam Morrison, Greg Oden, Joel Embiid, and Markel Fultz. We'll just act like Joel Embiid's the only name that's on that list. I mean, but that does show that, you know, it could just be something that's happening now and he still could progress into a fine player, but Embiid does currently look like the outlier there. Right, and I mean, there are concerns about him too. Uh, and, you know, things right. don't seem to be going perfectly in Philly right now. Yeah, shushing your home crowd is uh, definitely a new one. But, yeah, that's interesting. So, I thought that uh, we were going to spend more time talking about this uh, last nine games, but it looks like we pulled all the same stuff here, interestingly. Yeah, I guess it's pretty clear. I mean, I don't know that there's a lot of nuance to what's happening. Um, The guys are hitting their shots. Buddy is better used off the bench. It's better that Buddy is not initiating the offense. Um you know, aside from that, uh, I don't know. I don't know what other real changes there have been. I mean, that if you start hitting your shots and you start using your best players in more effective roles, that's gonna that's gonna do a lot. And, and I think another thing to note here is that I don't know that it has done a lot. I think that this accumulation of wins is not like really meaningful. Yeah, um, I get where you're coming from with that. And especially in the grand scheme of this season, I mean, there's still a good bit out of the playoffs here. You're six games out of the playoffs with, what What do we have, 30-something games remaining max? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really do much for you except to make you feel a little bit better about turning on the game each night. Uh, I know for me, it's been a lot easier to watch these ones, but yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, since the start of the new year, the Kings are the number one three point percentage, but they've also lost 10 of those 19 games. Right, exactly. And that's what I mean by not being super effective because it's one of those things where, you know, we can cherry pick and we can, filter our stats and stuff like that to the point where it's interesting and it's, it's, it looks good. And that, and it's totally fair to do that because those are, those are facts. And, you know, if you say, but he has been shooting 
51% since going to the bench, you were correct. And there's nothing, you know, there's no, there's nothing dishonest about that. It's just when you start looking back and adding this all together, it's like, okay, so yes, they're six and three over their last nine games, but then that means that they're what nine and 19 over the last 20, 28 games. It's still not like, I don't think that things have changed. This is not, not suddenly a completely different team. It's just, they're on a little bit of a hot streak and that could end at any moment. Yeah. I mean, during those six games they lost before this winning six of six of nine, they shot 31.8% from three. So even though they have been the best team since the start of the new year from range, I mean, they can lose that. And I mean, things look really bad for them on the offensive end, and they're not exceptionally gifted defensively either, especially when your centers are Harry Giles, Nemanja Bialica, and then you're running Harrison Barnes at the five sometimes. But, I mean, I think they are dependent on three-point shooting, really. Like, in their wins, 41% from three. In their losses, almost 32%. Like, I think they are very dependent on that because that's a lot of their guys' strengths on this roster. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say, or I don't think it's really surprising. Like, if you're if you tell me that a team is better when they hit their threes, I'm like, well, right. yeah, they are. Right. That's like the teams teams are better when they make more of their shots. You know. Yeah, totally fair. I would say you know Sacramento's had uh, some surprising ups and downs though, especially with like Buddy being terrible and Deadman being I, I guess terrible is a harsh word for buddy but I, just when you're thinking about his standard that he set last year but then you look at Deadman and things like that so I think they had a really rough start shooting when we kind of expected them to be a really successful shooting team um, but yeah hopefully the buddy shooting can stick around it's definitely helping the roster um, what else do you want to touch on here The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm a little bit worried about the Kings long term. Uh, we can take it to a quick long view here. I don't think we need to 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 go on too long. I think that this is, this is a we've covered a lot of ground quickly, and this is a nice tight podcast. But are you are you optimistic about the future here? Because I don't know that this six game or six win streak out of nine is really doing anything for me. Um, I know you mentioned like the shooting struggles, but like, I don't know how real that is either. Like bogey shot very well in the beginning part of the year. Barnes shot very well. Bielitsa shot very well. Fox was shooting about as well or better than he is now. And Buddy Heald was still hitting like 36, 37% of a of a shit ton of threes like it doesn't feel like that's the type of team that's like oh man if only we were hitting our shots we would be winning yeah. um i don't know I, I just don't see like i don't see anything that i'm that i'm with this team where i'm like well next year they'll they'll figure it out 
Right. So when you talk long term, you're talking year wise, not like just the rest of the season, right? I, I'm I'm done talking about the playoffs, for right? For sure. Right. Yeah. No. No. Definitely wasn't thinking playoffs here. Um, yeah, you do have to worry about that. Obviously, I think that you need um, another reliable form of offense rather than guys just knocking down their shots. And like you're saying, you have really good points. At the start of the year, there were a good amount of guys that were great for, uh, three-point shooters. So I think that really you need these offensive weapons of the big one for me, like we said, Fox's free throws and uh, a Fox and Bagley pick and roll. Like you need Bagley to be healthy and you really need that to get going. Um, like I, I felt like that has always been what the staple of this offense should be. And then you're spaced out with shooters of, you know, you have a Fox Bagley pick and roll. If those guys get those chemistry down, um, which like we said, that's, that's going to take some time with Bagley. And you know, that this has been mentioned a lot with D'Lo and Cat that you usually want guys that like to do opposite things. You want one guy that likes to shoot and one guy that likes to drive. D'Lo and Cat both like to stay out and shoot. Fox and um, Bagley are the opposite. Both these guys want to drive in and that's not going to do great for your spacing. So they have a lot of working out to do with that pick and roll, but I think they can get to a point where that could be a very dangerous tool. And then your guys on the wings are ridiculous shooters in Buddy, Bogey, and Barnes. So like, I see the vision, but it is getting hazy in regards to how you're getting there. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the Minnesota point. And I also think the Suns with Booker and Aiton are an interesting thing to note on here with like a perimeter player and, uh, well, not necessarily perimeter, but a guard and a big that, are supposed to be kind of the future of the team. Um, and I think that is what I'm getting at. And I think that, I think that you said it better than I did. You expressed my concerns it, you know, more clearly than I could have, or before I really knew what they were, but that's, that's my concern for the future because that's what this team is. You said it before I said it before this team is kind of built on the bet that Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley will be very good as a one-two punch going forward. And then you look around the league and you're like, okay, well, Bagley hasn't played. Fox hasn't made a jump this year. He made a great jump last year, incredible jump, like an unprecedented jump, but he still needed to improve. Um, You know, the free throw stuff we've talked about, but, you know, the three-point shooting as well, like he just hasn't taken another step forward. And then Bagley is taking steps back in terms of his availability on the court. So. What is there? What is there about this one-two punch that makes you think? Well, they're definitely going to be better than the Timberwolves, or definitely better than the Suns, or definitely better than the Hawks. All these teams that just are not playoff teams and probably won't be. Right. Yeah. Like you said, they aren't even playoff teams, and I don't think you really can justify saying that the one-two punch you have going right now is better than that. I think Fox uh, is gonna. I think he's still going to be progressing. I think Fox has potential to be an all-star throughout his career. I think that, like we said, I think the three-point shooting will end up coming around. He gets a little bit stronger here. Um, And at times, he seems to sort of be overthinking with reading the floor. Like, it feels like the game still is yet to slow down for him in a a major way. I think that I, I still have confidence in Fox being a cornerstone here. But Bagley obviously is a major question mark. And yeah, I mean, Sacramento sort of 
has to slash is going to write it out because of, you know, the guys that they picked him over and they're going to die on that hill um, until it's just very clear that that isn't the case anymore. Um, and I guess you still have percentages of hope that Bagley can be this superstar, but yeah, I mean, it, it is difficult to justify that. Like, I guess you kind of have to hope that, you know, you get a really nice pick in this lottery or in one of these drafts. And, and that, that is so grim, man. Right. You know, like, right. That is such a grim hope. And like, yeah, like you said, like, that's the hope. And, and there's no, there's no money to spend. I right. Mean, that's it, the only way. That's the only way. And it is, it does not feel like it's going to work for me. I don't know. It, it just doesn't, I don't see the long-term plan, honestly. And, like, you know, you, you said you have confidence in Fox's potential to be an all-star. I agree in the potential. But, I mean, gun to my head, is he going to be a, have a better career than Mike Conley? I don't know. Yeah, Conley, that's... You know what I mean? Yeah, that definitely comes up when I think of that as well because Conley's a damn good player, never made an all-star team, you know? Um, I think that that is totally possible for Fox. But even then, I think that that is a nice result but again yes it is potential uh, he hasn't shown the steps this year that you would hope to see from him um but yeah i mean like i said the lottery really is the only way here and how long can you be in the lottery for trying to strike on this i mean like they've already been there forever how long until your one guy in fox is over it you know you you sure you have a lot of team control on him but we see uh, guys not afraid to ask out of situations. So, I, I mean, I don't know what your really paths are here. Do you start over? But what is that even like? You, you're you already rebuilding. Like, I don't know exactly what starting over means, like moving buddy and bogey if you're talking next year or something like that. But, I mean, yeah, they're they're really stuck here. And a lot of it is, I mean, the X factor is and kind of always has been Marvin Bagley and him not playing is just, I mean, I mean, it's, it's the worst thing that could happen here. You'd rather him be out there playing bad and kind of getting it out of him than just playing 13 games the whole season. I agree. And I don't know that this fan base is like, has another rebuild in them. I don't know that they can like deal with that. Right. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned the other teams that you're looking at in the bottom of the West, the, you know, the three teams below Sacramento right now. Um, if you're looking at Golden State at the very bottom, obviously they have an MVP and an all-star coming back next year. Um, they're going to be jumping Sacramento. Uh, the Timberwolves just got – they have two all-stars on their team that are both, what, 23 years old. Um, they're likely going to be better than Sacramento next year. I guess the Phoenix Suns are in a somewhat comparable situation to Sacramento here, but that's the bottom two of the West. Like everyone else around them has ways that they are going to be getting better here and they have a clear vision moving forward. And Sacramento was all about, we're going to make playoffs this year. We're really pushing for that. Um, and that's clearly not happening. And I don't know what there is to do right now to move forward. I don't know what this future plan is. Yeah. Short of winning the draft lottery, I mean, it does feel like the Kings are going to be the odds-on favorite to be last in the West next season. Oh, man. With the one possible exception that the Spurs like fully bottom out, 
And even then, even if the odds are like on the Spurs being the worst team, I still feel like Popovich will win more games than Luke Walton. Just like through, like even if they get rid of DeRozan and Aldridge or whatever, they'll still find a way. So I, I do, if I had to like put money on it, it, it probably does go on the Kings through the worst team in the West right now. But yeah, you know, and again, they wouldn't even get the best pick because there's like three teams in the East that are going right. to have worse, worse records than them. They'll be the worst team in the West and get the 10th pick in the draft. Right, some BS like that. But yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to hope that you hit gold in this lottery. You know, if you're like picking eight-ish, which isn't even where they're ranked right now. Um, I can pull it up here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you just have to, I guess, hope you get a Siakam or one of these guys that always falls, you know, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, it happens and I get their 11th, uh, currently is where Tankathon has them. Um, but you know, and I get the whole argument of Vlade has butchered a lot of draft picks. You know, you see it with Don, uh, with Bagley Doncic sort of situation, but then, you know, I also can point it. You know, if you want to say he got lucky or whatever, De'Aaron Fox is on the team. So there's a chance that even if you don't trust Vlade's decision-making, there is a chance that they end up getting um, a sort of diamond in the rough in this lottery. And, like, that's the only area that I can try to find, like, and pretend to have some optimism. Yeah, and like we've said and like we went through with Bryant West, this is probably not a great draft to be hoping for that lottery ticket right but i feel like we've i agree and like i've heard that a lot but i feel like there's times you hear that and then the results a couple years later when you look back at it aren't quite what you thought no for sure i'm just saying relative to other drafts it still just doesn't feel like you know if you if you had to choose a draft to try to get lucky in you still you know the last two drafts especially right i think we we everyone agrees were better draft classes yeah totally fair and you know this one being guard heavy when the only thing that sacramento doesn't need is a guard pretty much like you could use any of the forward positions or a center and uh fit the other guys around that so it is a little rough here but uh yeah i mean i don't really know what else to touch on here man what do you uh what do you look for for the rest of this season uh it's. I mean, I'm looking at the draft. I really am. I know it's like incredibly sad to say, but I wrote my first draft piece for the Sacramento Bee today and going to be doing one of those a week for the next uh, 20 weeks or whatever it is. And outside of that, man, I – geez, I, I really don't know. I mean, I can't see any way that the Kings – jump up five spots in the West and take right. down the Mavericks. I just don't see that as realistic. Um, I would, you know, there are small things that I'd be very encouraged by. One of which would be actually playing Justin James and having him break out. That is a really good one. That needs uh, to happen to me. Yeah. I mean, that feels like one of the better things that could happen, honestly, I mean, I can say having Fox take a step forward in, in as much as he could in 30 games. Um, but, like, that, I don't really even know what that looks like. Maybe, I guess, if, if Fox were to just start hitting his shots, like, for real, like, starting to be a really reliable uh, shot maker, that would be awesome. Um, have Bagley be fully healthy would be nice. Uh, 
I don't even really like that's the problem with the young like how this team is not deep at all with the young players. So other than Justin James, like maybe Kyle Guy looks like a fringe. You can't look forward guy. to Harry Giles. Exactly. You can't you can't lock that in. I mean, you want to see him succeed. You want to see him be great. But then, you know, if he is, he probably will just go to another team. Right. Uh, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe a few guys from Stockton come up and look like more than, you know, more than zeros. And that's hard to do from the G League. It just genuinely is. Like, only a few guys pop from the G League every year. So I don't know that you can really expect any of this stuff to go great. Right, yeah. Like you said, I mean, the only guys you can really look for progression from the rest of this year would be Fox. Um, And, you know, I guess I would like to see him go out there and just say, you know, I am going to be the one initiating every single possession. Everything is going to end by me. I'd like to see him try to just take over games a little bit more sometimes. Um, And that might be frustrating because he's going to get to the line a lot and might not hit his free throws. But I, I think that he has, at least for a quarter, just absolutely take over a quarter. I, I think that Fox would be capable of doing that. Um, you have a really good point with Justin James. Um, definitely would like to see him get some more minutes here. And then, yeah, I don't really know what else here. Um, I had something else in mind, but I've totally lost it at this point. Um, other than yeah. doing this podcast, other than other than for the purpose of writing – and talking about the Kings, why why would anyone watch this team? Like what? Like, and I'm not trying to be like uh, facetious. Like, what is your say? Someone's like, hey, you know, I, I'm in, I live in Sacramento and I want to get into basketball. Should I watch the Sacramento Kings and why? Uh, well, you know, if you know this person clearly hates themselves and feels like they deserve some sort of some form of torture, but no, I mean, that's the like one positive that I have of these six of last nine games is that they have looked competitive and the games have been watchable um, and enjoyable, but yeah, like, I don't know how you sell um, the current fans that have been obsessed with this fan base and are so attached to it, let alone any new ones. I mean, like it's, yeah, I mean, I don't really know if there is a way to pitch reasons to really go out and watch this team. Maybe there's no other sports team, uh, professional sports team in Sacramento. Well, the uh, Sacramento FC is coming, Republic FC. It's true. It's true. Get into soccer, guys. Uh, sounds good to me, man. I'm uh, totally willing to do that. So, anyways, yeah, I think... Uh, I think that is all I got today, man. Anything else you got here? That's it, man. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of King's Pulse Podcast, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.